Alright legends, welcome to yet another episode of Get Around Me. It's me, 73 time Pelican of the Week Macca here, here to introduce you to the very special 200th episode of the podcast. Uh, I know a lot of you nerds out there have been requesting me to come on the pod as a guest, but I'm here to say fuck off, this is the best you're going to get. Uh, just be content with hearing my name getting dragged through the mud every episode. And also here to tell you actually, while we're, while we're talking about it, is that uh, everything Bill says about me is an absolute lie. Um, I've actually only met that bloke once and it was fucking tragic. But anyway, without further ado, he has um, requested me to rattle off some of his upcoming tour dates. So he is in Brisbane, September. Uh, that's an encore. I was at the first one and it was a fucking loose show, boys. Get around it. Uh, he's then in Gold Coast. He's in Brisbane again. Fucking hell. He loves Brisbane. Uh, he's in Port Macquarie. Good luck with that, Bill. I dare say no one's going to turn up to that. Uh, Newcastle, Wollongong, and then Sydney to wrap it up. And I'll be at that show, uh, that Sydney show, boys. It's going to be fucking loose. Anyway, all that is a part of the homecoming tour. All tickets are via the link in his Instagram bio or some shit, wherever you normally get them. I don't really care. Um, anyway, without further ado, here is the pod. Whatever. It's all good stuff because today is the 200th episode of Get Around Me. Okay? What a time. It truly is to be alive, you know? The last 99 times I've said that at the start of the pod, I mean, let's be honest, I was probably lying. To say those times were as significant as this time, that's a truly horrific take, you know? This is a landmark episode, 200. You know, we're playing Bangladesh on a flatty. I'm absolutely filling my boots after tea on day one. There's no stopping me. Records will topple, okay? So it's very exciting, you know, 200 episodes. The podcast has been going for about, I want to say, three-ish years. At the start, I was doing two episodes a week, Tuesday and Thursday, because I noted that no other podcasts were doing two episodes a week. So I thought, well, fuck, I'm about to completely blow the podcast game wide open. And then, you know, you realize two episodes a week is actually, it's probably one too many. If anything, you know, I sort of fell off, a, fell off the momentum a bit. You, I mean, you miss one episode because you're working an extra shift at Westfield. All of a sudden, you know, next thing you know, you blink, you're five episodes behind, your girlfriend's left. It's a whole situation. So 200 episodes, you know, if you do the quick maths, you would think that would be four years, but it's actually kind of three years um, because I absolutely raced to like 60 episodes or something before I stopped and started doing one a week as a normal podcaster should. So, you know, can't believe it's still going. I still enjoy it. So no issues there. I am yet to make a cent off this podcast. 200 episodes in, I'm going for some sort of a record. I want the, (laughs) I want to do the most podcast episodes ever without making a cent. I would love to, I I want a thousand episodes to get around me before anyone gives me a nickel, you know? The only revenue I've received uh, in the history of this podcast is one party shirt from my mate's now defunct party shirt company that briefly sponsored the pod, okay? I've only had one sponsor as well, and that was that, okay? So, the podcast, I don't know. thought I should talk about it for a bit because... People have been messaging me, being like, hey, 200's coming up. Whoa, ho, ho. 
what are you going to have George Clooney on or something? Probably not, guys, to be honest. Probably not. So I'm just pumped I still want to do it. Because, you know, you would think you would get bored of your own voice, but many people would make that assumption, failing to underestimate how truly, you know, seismic in nature my ego is, okay? I could do this podcast three times a day, never release it, and just walk out of my bedroom thinking, geez, there was some good stuff in there, Bill, you know? (laughs) I'm an absolute weirdo, and I think that is what keeps this thing going. But, you know, we've had some great times. We had, you know, the podcast got me through the first lockdown, the second lockdown, just by giving me something to do, really. You know, that first lockdown, when I was unemployed, unemployed, lost my day job and my night job. If I didn't do the podcast on a Wednesday, my week back then would have been completely open, like not a single event on the calendar. The podcast was the only thing I had to do it was the only reason I had to get out of bed the whole week. So I think it was, um, you know, productive. And it was also fun because I had nothing to talk about during lockdown at all. You know, you think the podcast is, is really leaning on these America yarns. You should have seen three years ago. I was absolutely praying some bloke would deck me in a beer garden just to crawl to 40 minutes each week, you know. So all of a sudden I'm locked up with nothing to talk about. I remember our garbage man, we got in a fight with him because he said we weren't stacking the bins properly or some shit. I thought, fuck, I hope I hope this war with our local garbage man never ends because it's providing upwards of eight minutes of content each week. So the lockdown era was fun. I remember one day, this is how desperate I got during the lockdown era. I remember one day there was a bird that went in our house briefly. A pigeon flew into our kitchen. And I think I spoke about that on the podcast for upwards of 11 minutes. I spoke about the pigeon being in the kitchen longer than the pigeon was in the kitchen. Okay? So you want to see a guy fluff around and really make something out of nothing. Really dive into his soul with everything he has, desperately trying to make these mundane events entertaining to the listener. You know? The commitment was there from a young Darcy young in his broadcasting career but we had the lockdowns we had the lesbian era just off the back of lockdown that's where there was just a group of local lesbians running rampant at the lad pad at the time i remember one of them tried to fight my mate hanso that was i was standing right there when this lesbian has squared up to my mate hanso my first thought was fuck this is 12 minutes easy you know what i mean so the lesbians provided shitloads of content and really appreciate them. They're great girls. Then we had the trend end era. Then we had the fun fear era this year. We had my disastrous attempt at not one but two Instagram lives. That my first Instagram live might have given me PTSD. And I'm not, you know, I know sometimes I dramatize and exaggerate on this podcast. But I truly think my first Instagram live gave me PTSD, okay? I don't know if you've ever had 73 strangers sort of in unison turn on you on a live stream, but it was like it was like everyone on my live stream had a meeting behind my back. It's like they formed a separate group chat, like one of those, those Zoom uh, offshoots or whatever when you're in a meeting. 
It was like they did a breakaway group and came back to the Instagram live because I've never seen the tone of a stream turn this dramatically before, okay? One minute, I was King Billy D answering questions. The next minute, it was just uh, abuse after abuse after abuse. And I'll, I'll put my hand up. I was getting bullied on that platform, okay? Possibly to my detriment, I had taken an edible before the live stream thinking the live stream would only go for 15 minutes, whatever. The edible snuck up on me. The live stream sort of kept going. There was this real calamitous moment where the, the cookie was kicking in as, as the crowd turned. So it was just, there was a lot of negativity in the room and I regret doing it, okay? But yeah, great times, great classic hits. And then we just had the guest series. I mean, there's been a lot of different eras of Get Around Me. That's the good thing about about the having the solo pod is like I can sort of I can tell like it's gotten a lot different over the years and a lot better. Whereas I think if you're just having conversations with a different pelican each week, you know, it's not as up to you how the pod changes. So yeah, there's been a lot of different eras of the pod which I've enjoyed. I don't know if what I'm saying right now is interesting. I just felt like I should talk about the podcast because it's like a landmark episode. Humans are obsessed with round numbers for whatever reason we just are and and that's that. So this is 200. Next week will be 201 and to be honest, I can't fucking wait. Okay. <laughs> but plenty of good stuff coming up on the future of Get Around Me. I'm going to do the first ever Get Around Me live episode at the end of the year, I believe. So watch out for tickets to that. And I'm also going to get some merch going for the pod at the end of the year. I've got a couple of new segments up my sleeve starting today. I'm going to do I'm going to do a press conference after this episode. I've got an idea for a new segment, so we'll see how that goes. And yeah, dude, it's all happening. I think the future of Get Around Me is ultimately the same as I've always thought. I think this podcast will end before, either before or when I turn 30. So... We have three and a half years of Get Around Me left and I think it's going to be great, you know, but I don't want to, I like the idea of this podcast sitting here in existence, kind of like a love letter to my 20s, you know, so I think, I think that's good. I think the core of the pod is really me being a pelican at pubs and I don't want to be here at fucking 35 trying to tell the same stories in some sort of a... uh, hapless bid to stay relevant to the listener you know i think once i hit 30 or god forbid get in a committed relationship i know these are just hypotheticals okay i don't want to scare anyone i don't want to create any hysteria out there but you know i think yeah the age of 30 i reckon i'll hang up the boots hopefully by then the industry has given me some sort of opportunity i mean someone hand me a radio contract at what point do you just think, fuck me, between this guy's lesbian haircut and his bucket loads of charisma? I mean, this thing, it's a slam dunk, you would have thought. So, would love to do some radio work at some point. You know, every year I just assume, like, I'm going to blow up and get an agent and stuff. So, I don't particularly stress about it. Maybe I should a bit more. Yeah, I should get some sponsors for this podcast or something. But, but anyway, there's plenty of good stuff coming up. Looking forward to it. Thanks to everyone who's listened to the first. I know there's a a large group of people out there who've listened to every episode. 
which seems uh, ridiculous, but I appreciate it. I know there's a number of people who've gone through the episodes multiple times. And every episode from episode 50 onwards is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and will stay up forever. Episodes 1 to 50 are just gone forever. Maybe if I ever start a Patreon, I'll put them up there. Uh, and the reason for that, people always say you've got to release those episodes. The reason for that is that they're just not very good. Okay? There's no agenda behind it. If episodes 1 to 50 were good, they'd still be up. <laughs> But, you know, I was just learning how to do a solo podcast and working out what's going on. So they're not very good. I was learning the craft and that's why those are not up anymore. But anyway, thanks for the first 200. Here's to the next 200. I miss my ex-girlfriend, etc. dude. Okay, etc. So here we go. We're going to crack in to the fourth and final installment of the yarns from America. Okay, last week we had New Orleans. A lot of violence, a lot of fun in that town. Okay, this week we are in Texas or Tejas as some people pronounce it. Now, first stop was Austin, Texas. Okay, now Austin is a great town, a great town. If you're only going to go to one city in Texas, make it Austin. Okay, it is an arts hub. The music, the comedy, the homeless, it's just an absolute mecca, this place, okay? And Austin, a little bit dodgy, okay? A little bit dodgy, but not in like a you're going to get shot kind of way. It's just like the homeless here are really revved up, you know? Here's the thing about the homeless in Austin. Firstly, like, yeah, they are not chill dude, okay? They are not chill. But the thing with the homeless in Austin is that they're not malevolent or they don't have bad intentions. The problem with the homeless in Austin is that they, these poor guys are just, they're just so mentally ill that they just have, they're completely out to lunch. They're gone, okay? They're down the road, round the corner, getting a bus to Neverland. These, these, they're just absolutely gone. So you just have to be careful because it's not like you'll find yourself in a situation in Austin where a homeless guy is going to be like, hey, give me your money or I'm going to stab you. Most likely, you're going to walk past a homeless guy and he's going to think you've said that to him, okay? And then he will stab you in retaliation to what he thinks you're doing to him, okay? Because these guys are living in their own reality. You know, they're out here talking to fucking telegraph poles, getting in arguments with trees, you know, like there's just a lot going on with the homeless, we had this guy who would stand outside our hostel in Austin and he was like, uh, it was like a cuckoo clock, but you didn't know what time the bird was going to come out. By that, I mean, he would stand there in completely still right next to the front door of the hostel. And then out of nowhere, he would just scream and start twitching for about four seconds. And then he would go back to being completely still. And so as you were walking out of the hostel, it was Russian roulette who was going to fucking cop it, you know? You'd be like one at a time sneaking past him. You'd just be ever so carefully edging past. And then one of the lads, I think Vol went past one time and this guy's, ah, 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 like just starts going nuts, dude. He thinks, he thinks Vol's like, you know, fucking cut up his wife in a past life or something. There's just 
a lot going on with these poor homeless guys, okay? But, you know, despite the, uh, the various socioeconomic issues facing that city, what drives us forward as a, as a world, as a species, you know, what brings us together? You're goddamn right. It's stand-up comedy, okay? Billy Darcy went international in Austin. I performed stand-up comedy on not one but two separate occasions in this fine town. And, yeah, interesting experience to say the least. Firstly, I don't know about shoehorning stand-up comedy into your holiday because it really, you know, it did kill the vibe a little bit for two days because basically I teed up these gigs through my mate Rowan Arneal, who was on the guest series because he lived in Austin for a year doing stand-up. And so I said... Oh, mate, if you could sort me a couple of gigs in Austin, I'll, uh, that'd be awesome. But if you can't, you know, no stress. Because at the heart of this holiday, it was a piss up and a road trip. And I did want to be stay true to that. So he ended up teaming me up with this guy, Hunter Duncan. Great guy, great comedian. He's been on Comedy Central in America, um, I saw, which is pretty cool. So he teed me up with a couple of gigs. He goes, I got you on next Monday and Tuesday. And this was great until Monday afternoon. I'm like so hungover going, holy fuck, what am I going to say up there, you know? And so then I I had to go through all my jokes and just sort of, because my act is very Australiana, you know, as far as, I don't think I have a single joke that doesn't have a Brett Lee reference, if I'm being completely honest. So I know Brett Lee sort of exploded in Bollywood quite some time ago, but I'm, I'm not sure if he's cracked the US market yet. So I was very nervous beforehand. Freaking the fuck out would be a better way to describe uh, my mental state. Because at this stage, I haven't done stand-up in like three weeks. And now I'm doing it in a different country. So I was quite nervous. And I just wasn't sure how it would translate and stuff. I've done uh, stand-up in America before, in LA, about five years ago, but I did some open mics and very, very low-level gigs there. These were like kind of a bit nicer, these gigs in Austin. And we ended up, I ended up bringing like 12 people to the show as well because I had the lads, I had these three girls we met the night before, I had like three randoms from the hostel, then one of the lads' mates from Austin plus his mates. And it was like fucking hell. Like it, there was like fifteen people there to see me, and I was doing stand up in a different country. Hadn't done it in three weeks. I'm hungover. You know, my hair's frizzy. It's all happening. Okay, it's all fucking happening, and I was stressed, dude. I was absolutely stressed. Beautiful gig, by the way. Beautiful little theater. There was about sixty people there, and uh, beautiful little spot. I don't know, not much to really talk about as far as the gig. The only tip I would say, if any if any comedians listen to this podcast, I would say when you go to America, just talk a little slower because they can't really understand us very well, which I did, which I knew from last time. Because sometimes, and you would, you would be able to pick this up, sometimes you would just go to a cafe and say, g'day or hello. You say, hello, could I please have one large iced Americano? And sometimes, like once every couple of days, the barista would just be like, what the fuck was that, y'all? Holy shit, where are you from? And, you know, just stuff like this where some people have just never even met an Australian over there before. We're like aliens to these people. So 
just talk a little slower, which I did. And I got off to a great start in my first set. So then, you know, if you've got an absolute stallion galloping downhill, you don't fucking, you know, there's not much left to do except enjoy the ride. And, and that I did. So I had a great set, good times. Uh, as a little treat, some guy interrupted me towards the end and I was able to needlessly light him up, which was enjoyable. I actually had a bit of an incident at my show the next night. Uh, this was the only thing that sort of went wrong was I closed out the next show and there was a guy in like a heated argument in the front row, like screaming at this person basically. And then before I even get to the mic stand, I'm like, mate, can you shut the fuck up? You know, like I, d- I didn't want to say this, but like he's like so loud and it was like an outdoor gig. So before I even pull out the mic, I go, mate, shut up, shut up. Okay. I'm not starting until you stop talking because, you know, I didn't fly fucking 15 hours to get mugged by some guy in a fucking backwards hat. You know what I mean? So then he got ejected and this is like, it was like an outdoor courtyard gig. There's no like, it's not the fucking Kudos Bank Arena, you know, there's no real security. So like the host and like one of the comedians is like dragging this bloke out as I'm like starting my set and I'm like, yeah, fuck you. (laughs) So the wheels were off at the second gig, but um, that was a lot of fun as well. So both gigs, I was stressed, um, stressed, stressed, stressed. It was very validating because, you know, I don't know, the jokes that I've worked on here, they work in America. So that's chill. Stress less, babe. You know what I mean? So great times. I'm now an international comedian. If you see that on a poster next year, you'll know why. And I got to do like 20 minutes at the second gig as well, closing it out. So that was sick. But anyway, so I did some comedy in Austin. Unreal. Good story here. One night we went out went out to this, uh, this street, Rainy Street in Austin. So there's the main strip, which is called Sixth Street in Austin. And that's like four kilometers of just bars, music, comedy. We saw Joe Rogan at this one club. We saw great music. There was just everything happening. And that was, that's great. And then there was Rainy Street, which is like the cool sort of indie part of town. Okay. So we went to Rainy Street, all the lads. And it was funny there because there was this band playing taking requests, but they kept taking requests where they didn't know the song. So then the guy would just be like mumbling the verses and like laughing. He was like hammered, which I enjoyed. And then what happened was these three women came in and I hate to get this blue, you know I hate to do it. They were very attractive, okay, physically. And I know I say that sometimes on this podcast, but these these women were some of the more attractive ones you've ever seen. One of them, I swear to God, looked like Cameron Diaz in her prime, okay? No exaggeration. I'm telling you, this chick is real. Prime Cameron Diaz. So these girls walk in, unreal we said well it doesn't take a genius to work this out we activate the hottest member of our group gil we say gil get over there and bloody chat to these absolute tens you know we thought if we sent over a fellow 10 you know it would once he's got this sort of their affection then we can sort of start to ease in the sixes re yours truly gil goes over there great stuff great classic hits from him gil this is how hot cameron diaz was Gil breaks the round, okay? The only thing holding this group together is that at every pub, the rounds are the rounds, okay? We're all drinking Budweiser's. 
we're like clockwork with these rounds, okay? We are absolutely, bam, four beers, four beers, four beers. When we go to spirits, we go as a group, okay? We do shots, we do shots as a group, okay? Next thing you know, it's Gil's round. He goes, sorry, boys, um, I bought one for Cameron Diaz as myself. You're going to have to go sort yourselves out, okay? So that's how, that's how attractive Cameron Diaz was. That, she was so attractive, she led Gil, one of the most loyal men on the planet, to betray his comrades, okay? You never, ever break the round because now it's just chaos, you know? I'm coming back from the bar with 37 daiquiris. I don't know who they're for. I don't know who I am. What's happened? So we're chatting to these uh, great girls and a New Zealand guy from our hostel. Obviously, Australians and Kiwis, copacetic always. So this Kiwi bloke, he was playing, he's a musician. He was playing at a bar at a different venue. And we said, oh, mate, we might come and watch you. He was playing at like an open mic jam night. So we said, gals, our Kiwi mate is playing at this bar. And we wanted to make the effort to go see him because... He had spent the previous two days uh, sort of going sightseeing and hiking and going to museums with this Dutch bird who we then found out was actually in like an eight-year relationship and he was absolutely shattered, the poor man. So we thought, let's rally around this bloke before he gets his heart shattered by another European goddess. And we, we dragged these birds to this open mic jam night. Whatever you think an open mic is, forget it. This is the most... This was amazing what we saw here so basically they'd say at this music open mic they'd say all right next up we've got clem the kiwi bloke on bass uh this guy on guitar this guy singing this guy on drums and everyone had signed up earlier in the night and they'd all come up on stage these people have never met each other before they're almost all of them were from different cities different countries they never met each other never spoken and they would come together. This is how good the musicians were. They would come together on stage, have a quick five-minute discussion of what they're going to play, and then just bust it out. It was unbelievable. Clem was ripping. We got Cameron Diaz going nuts on the dance floor. It was all happening, dude, okay? And there was some absolute characters there. This one guy came up to me. You know, some of these, some of these American guys are a bit... You know, they're no-hopers. They've got some genuine no-hopers over there. And I, we ran into a, a genuine no-hoper. And I, I don't want to rip on this guy too much because, like I said, he's got no hope. But, yeah, he's a, a big guy in, like, possibly the lamest sandals I've ever seen. You know those, like, plastic sandals that, like, four-year-olds wear? He was wearing them, but he was, like, 27 or something. So, And he was, like, just pestering the lads because... When people find out you're Australian over there, like it's almost like pretty much get low-level fame in some of these places. So this guy's like, I've always wanted to have a beer with an Australian. And it's like, mate, that's great, but fucking slow your roll. I'm chatting to Cameron Diaz in her fucking prime right now, okay? I don't want to have a Bud Light with some random guy who's drooling wearing sandals from 1997, Okay. And this poor guy, you know, he said he was by himself and he was just pestering the lads. Anyway, what happened was this guy sort of got into it. He joined us on the dance floor. We were carrying on like pork chops on the dance floor, having a great time, uh, feeling cool. And this guy, you know, he wanted to sort of get in on the action. And, we're, you know, we're carrying on with the band as well. We're high-fiving like, 
you know, like when some chick's ripping the guitar solo, I'm like on my knees, like doing the worship thing. Like, you know, just going nuts, dude. We got people crowd surfing. It's fucking nuts. Anyway, this guy tries to get on the action. So what he's done is there was this beautiful black woman um, singing as part of one of the open mic bands. And she was unbelievable. And we're going nuts. And I'm blowing her kisses and this sort of, we're just carrying on. And then so this big guy with the sandals tries to get in on the act. And so he's gone up, there's about five stairs to the stage, quite steep stairs. Stage was quite high. Anyway, so he's gone up in his in his not great sandals, you know, 34 bud lights under his under his sort of belt on its last notch. And he's kissed, he's grabbed her hand and kissed her on the hand. Beautiful, beautiful gesture. But then what happened was on the way down, as he tried to come back down the stairs, he got his sandal like stuck like in the stair or something and he's fallen off the stage like <laughs> like bad like you know when someone falls and it's like not funny <laughs> you know what i mean you know when someone falls and it's like uh oh no like he went down he like hit the ground and then rolled down the stairs and there's that moment where like the whole bar's just looking at this guy. We got him up. I was like, mate, you got to get up. You got to get up, big fella. Like ASAP, okay? People have seen you talking to me earlier. This is hurting all of our reputation right now, you know? So it was one of the funniest slash unfunniest things I've ever seen. This poor guy in sandals literally rolling down the stairs in front of the whole bar. God bless this man. Then... The next day, we were supposed to go to this place, Barton Springs, which is a beautiful freshwater pool in Texas, and uh, it's unreal. So that's a big tourist thing in Austin, and so we're supposed to go there. These girls, these they say, let's go to Barton Springs now. I say, but gals, it's, it's 1 a.m. We can't go to Barton Springs, you know? It's nighttime. It's not the time to go swimming. But these girls, they knew it was nighttime. They still wanted to go swimming. They're bloody wild. So we ended up going sort of skinny dipping with these absolute tens at Barton Springs. And I will say, thank the Lord it was nighttime because Gil, uh, Gil is a, an absolute chiseled, he's a lifeguard by trade. And then Vol, um, the other bloke on the tour with me and Macca, is, is sort of a surfy lead, lead guitarist as well. And then you've got old six out of 10 Billy Darcy, the comedian, uh, also, like, I was pretty much glowing in the dark on that pale. So I'd like to give a special shout out to the sun for taking nights off because I dare say otherwise it would have been untenable for me to go swimming with these absolute tens. Great times, great classic hits. Two birds because we were sort of two birds as in two birds, one stone because we nailed the tourist activity while still on a night out. So we got to sleep in the next day. Then we bring these birds back to the hostel, but I order an Uber for everyone. Everyone's like, no, fuck that. We're going to ride Lime scooters back to the hostel. And so then the oh, I'm like, well, the Uber's already here. What are we doing? And then so like everyone's on Lime scooters, but the Uber's right in front of me. So me and KC, one of the girls, jump in the Uber. And then the lads and these girls are on Lime scooters, but like harassing my Uber on the way back to the hostel, like swerving in and out, like doing like 1K an hour and then speeding up. This Uber driver's like, ah, oh, I hate these Lime scooters, these arrogant assholes. I said, mate, mow them down, okay? Jesus Christ, you know, like Macca and his bird, Macca was with this Hawaiian girl. 
she was doing the accelerating and he was doing the steering and they were both blind. So they got no idea what's going on. They almost killed themselves. They almost killed, killed us in our Uber. And how's this for a bloody chill Uber driver as well? God forbid you have a bit of, you have the slightest bit of fun bantering an Uber. The guy said, oh, hi, are you Australian, mate, by any chance? I said, yeah, mate, I am. He said, he said, oh, cool. I've always wanted to go to Australia. I said, well, mate, you know, it's a beautiful country. We'd love to have you. And he said, yeah, I've just been a bit nervous because my best friend from primary school went bushwalking in Australia, got lost and died. I said, oh, sorry about that. (laughs) What the fuck do you want me to say to that, mate? You know? Oh, shit. Sorry. Maybe tell your freaking stupid American mate to not go wandering in the bush by himself. I go, oh, was he by himself? He goes, yeah, he was by himself. So this stupid Seppo has wandered into the bush by himself. The guy said it was 43 degrees and he died of dehydration. And so now we're just sitting in this convo. I said, well, mate, I don't know. I wasn't there. I said, yeah, the bush is dangerous. You've got to be careful. And he's like, yeah, you do. And then we're just sitting in silence. On the way, it's like, mate, come on, it's two in the morning. Give, give me some fun topics, you piece of shit, you know? But then we head back to the hostel bar. The lads make it with the other girls. I don't know how. It looked like they were all going to die for sure. And then we just carried on at the hostel bar. But the funniest thing of this night was Gil just, Gil just got out to lunch blind. So it just goes to show even good-looking people do face adversity. And what happened was Gil completely just, he leant back on his stool because he thought there was a, a backrest and he just completely fell off like, bam, off the back, like hilarious. People are crying. People can't even control themselves. It's the funniest thing anyone's ever seen. But the best part was because it was in the hostel bar, the next day we went to reception and said, uh, we said to the guy behind the thing, we said, mate, get up the CCTV from last night. We even noted the time. We said, get up the CCTV for the bar last night at 2.34. And we've got the footage of Gil falling off the stool. It's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay. So just a cracking night in Austin. It was all happening in that, in that town. And like I said, if you go to Austin, if you go to Texas, I should say, make sure you go to Austin. Houston is whatever. Didn't even make the freaking podcast. Dallas is kind of cool, I guess. Austin's the town. And it's a drinking town as well. So rev up if you're going there. Okay. Now, after Austin, we went to a town in the middle of nowhere called Gatesville. Now, the reason we went to Gatesville was we wanted to see a rodeo while we were in Texas. We looked it up. Gatesville was the only one on on the one of the dates that fit our trip. So we said, right, on the way to Dallas, we're going to stop in at Gatesville on Thursday night for the rodeo. We rolled up. And when I said you are sometimes minor celebrities in America, just by virtue of being Australian, go to a small town in the middle of nowhere and you will be treated like literal kings. Okay. We get to the rodeo. We go to the bar. Two beautiful old Texan women behind the bar, about in their 60s, maybe early 70s. They hear our accents and like almost faint. Okay. 
They are absolutely blown away. One of them was like, literally like, I'm not joking, about to cry. Because she said the rodeo has been struggling the last couple of years with COVID. And to think that people from Australia would be interested in coming just blew her away. They took photos with us and put them on the Gatesville Rodeo Club Facebook page. We got free beers like all all night, basically. We paid for the first couple. And it was just, we were treated like legitimate gods at this rodeo. Okay. Some of these people in Gatesville have never even met anyone not from Texas. And now you've got four Australian men in the mix. I mean, we were turning heads. It was actually military night at the rodeo. So there was like 150 military men there. And I don't want to speak out of school, you know, God bless these men and the work they do, but they were outshone by the Aussies that night. And I think, you know, they, they'd be the first to put their hands up. They're all, they all dressed the same, same haircuts. It's like, boys, what are you doing? You know what I mean? So we were absolute, it was great. It was such an authentic Texan experience. I was talking to this 75-year-old cowboy who still goes in the rodeos. And he had the full boots and the spurs, smoking a stogie. He was explaining all the rodeo stuff to me and telling me all these crazy rodeo stories. And it's great because when you're Australian in America, you're not pestering anyone, you know? Like, this guy just wanted to talk to me. So, it's it's nice, you know? It's like the Toby Maguire yarn from a couple episodes ago. He said hi to us just because we're Australian. So, you get to have all these interactions with people where you're, where you're not talking to someone who doesn't want to be talked to, you know? People want to talk to you. It's great. So, we run into this, we meet this guy, Jared, and he his daughters were in the rodeo. And he, for a job, he was a, a proper gun, gun-toting Texan. He taught people how to use assault rifles as a job, okay? So, he ran assault rifle courses. And uh, he was just, his mum was actually one of the women behind the bar. So, then, you know, it was just, we were absolute... It was all happening. So then we, he was getting us free beers. The bar shut and they put all the beers back on the truck for the next day. And he opened the truck back up and was getting us more because they didn't want us to leave. And then, so we're getting free beers. They let us ride some of the competition horses in the arena after the rodeo. Okay, so it was so good. And these are, these are rodeo horses, you know. This isn't my little pony. These things are absolute jets, Okay. Now, I've done a tiny bit of horse riding in my time, and I've also watched every episode of McLeod's Daughters. So, I do have some form of qualifications there. I famously galloped once in the Blue Mountains about 10 years ago. I still think about it sometimes. Okay? So, we're looking at a real fucking, a genuine cowboy in Billy Darcy. But Macca, Macca had never ridden a horse before. How's this? Macca's first time riding a horse... He was blind riding a competition horse bareback in Texas. (laughs) I mean, you can't make that stuff up, you know? And these things, when, when, because his daughters would like take us around on the horse, when you gave these things a little kick, they fucking went, okay? So, so it was absolutely hilarious experience. And we were just treated so well. And we all got to ride the horses, took heaps of photos with them. And the funniest thing was, so, they all followed us on Instagram and tagged us, you know. Jared, this bloke, put up like a seven-photo montage with his new Australian friends. People were obsessed, dude. And the funniest thing was Jared and his daughters followed us. And even his daughters, even though they were only like 16 or whatever, that all of them had Trump 2024 on the Instagram. And they're all like extremist Christians. And 
they all, you know, loved shooting assault rifles and stuff. And, and we were like, holy shit, dude. It just goes to show. The takeaway I had from that was you just got to take people on face value, you know? Not everyone's going to share your opinions and ideals. And not that I'm a particularly political person, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not pro-Trump. But it just goes to show, you know, if people, if people are lovely, if people treat you with respect and, and they're lovely to you, then what's the issue, babe? You know what I mean? Stress less. Okay, if you're only going to hang out with people who share, who share the exact ideals and think the way you do, you're going to miss out on meeting a fuckload of interesting people. You know, so on paper, this guy is pro-assault rifle, pro-Trump, extremist Christian. You're thinking, holy shit, this guy must be the worst hang ever. And the guy was such a fucking legend and him and his family could not have been nicer to us, you know? So stress less if, if you know, you meet bloody... You're going to meet all sorts of people in this life and they're not all going to be picking up the same things that you're putting down or what have you. So don't worry about it if someone's got different political views to you. You know, like you can't control what someone thinks or, you know, this is his lived experience. So it just goes to show, you know, if people are lovely, they're fucking lovely. No worries. So we left Gatesville. We were on to the next Dallas, Dallas Tejas. And the reason we were going to Dallas was to watch UFC, the ultimate fighting championship, okay? This, let the script continue here. We would say, we would say let the script continue every, every time something fucking cool happened on our trip. So it'd be like, we meet Toby Maguire. We're like, dude, continue the script, lads. You know, how good's this? Like another thing, when we went to see Joe Rogan, we were right at the back. And then for some reason, our, our seats, someone in the second row table didn't turn up. And so we just got upgraded to like second row watching Joe Rogan and Theo Vaughn for 20 bucks. And we were like, continue the script, lads. So continue the script here. As we're walking into the USC, this guy goes, are you guys Aussies? And we go, yeah. And there was two Kiwi fighters fighting on the card. And they're in the same, they train with the same gym as Alex Volkanovsky and Israel Adesanya. So this guy goes, I work at this club called Bottled Blonde. The Kiwi and Aussie UFC after party is there tonight. Um, Izzy Adesanya and the Volk will be there. The password to get in is strawberry shortcake. And we go, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, dude, strawberry shortcake. That's the after party. So we're like, fucking oath. We're not even in the arena yet. You know what I mean? It's all happening. And we rolled in blind, like blind, because we thought it would be like $27 a beer in there, which it kind of was. So we rolled in like really, really drunk. And I'm specifying that to sort of justify my behavior next. But basically, I was just such an absolute fuckwit at the start of this thing. So I've always said this as well. If you want to see the absolute worst of Billy Darcy, get me blind at a sporting event where I like dislike the opposition. It's just... So what happened was, first fight the first fight of the prelims, there's only like a thousand people in the arena. So you can hear everything, everyone can hear you. And the first fight of the night was this guy, Blood Diamond, who's a Kiwi and we're a big fan of, versing this American guy. And this American guy came in like four pounds overweight, okay? And that's unfair. Like you got, like the only rule is you got to come in at the same weight. That's why the weight classes exist. So he's come in overweight and then he just wrestled the fuck out of Blood Diamond. It was so frustrating. Just 
defensive wrestling, didn't go for any subs or anything. And I will put my hand up. I was particularly abusive, okay? I was so blind, I honestly forgot where we were. I was like, you stupid American. You couldn't make weight. You couldn't make weight, you stupid bloody American. What's wrong with you? Stand and bang. Like, I'm just going nuts. And like, I honestly forgot we're in America. And there was like a lot of Americans around us, obviously. And like that, like the boys, like the boys like, hey, Bill, can you actually shut up? Because you're making our section particularly uncomfortable. So I was like, shit, sorry, boys. I honestly was so blind. I forgot we're in America. And um, like I said, this environment just brings out the toxicity in me. Okay. Anytime it's always watching sport, you will see the absolute worst of me. So the boys, luckily, this was only the first fight of the day. The boys pulled my head in and I was able to sort of get back on side with everyone in our section right after that. So all the, um, the, the co-main event was a Kiwi fighting this uh, Mexican guy for the interim flyweight title. And it was so good because we were, it's pretty much only Mexicans in our section and us. So uh, the Mexicans were giving us so much grief and uh, but like in a great way and then the Mexican guy ended up knocking out the Kiwi bloke and we stood up and clapped and you know it was great the Mexicans were legends really good about it and um, so then we went to the after party and Izzy and Volk were there we were wearing our King Casey O'Neill t-shirt so we were trying to like we were being like come on Aussies you know get us in Volk and I fucking I go to the bathroom for fucking all of two seconds go to take a piss and come back and Gil and Vol are like, oh, Bill, you just missed it. I go, missed what? They go, fuck, we were just hanging out with the Volk. We got photos with him. I go, oh, for fuck's sake, you know. So I missed saying hi to the Volk. Izzy was just, you know, hanging out in the VIP section. So, yeah, didn't get to chat to the lads, which was disappointing. I did get in a pretty heated argument with Henry Cejudo's manager at a pizzeria at about 3 a.m., because Henry Cejudo is a UFC fighter and uh, he's sort of a legend of the game, double champion. He's, he's talking about fo- coming back and fighting Alex Volkanovsky for the featherweight belt. So I see, uh, as you can imagine, I'm blind and I run into Cejudo's coach slash manager at 3 a.m. And uh, so I start bouncing him up. I go, mate, tell your boy Cejudo to not bother. He has zero chance against the Volk. Zero. And fair play to Cejudo's manager. Actually turned out to be a great guy. We sort of chatted for about 15 minutes and um, we were just having a laugh. Really great guy. He took it well. He's like, oh, maybe you're right, man, but I think my boy Henry's got something for him, you know? And, you know, I was just talking shit because I don't actually know anything about mixed martial arts. So, yeah, great guy, great night. And then we're in Dallas for another night or so. Flew to LA for one more night. Big last night in LA. Couple of dark arts there, nothing, nothing you'd you'd want to hear about. And flew back from LA. Great trip, great classic hits. Hope you enjoyed the stories. And uh, and yeah, dude, I highly recommend if you if you go to America, the the southern states, grab a car, grab some mates, because there's a fucking lot going on over there, and there's a lot of a lot of fantastic music, art, comedy history you know there's a lot going on great trip which i highly recommend but like i said especially in memphis and new orleans stay strapped stay safe okay but apart from that stress less babe it's fucking awesome over there and i I highly recommend it okay so 
like to briefly talk about this Chris Dawson verdict, okay? Now, I did not follow the podcast surrounding Chris Dawson. If you're not familiar, basically Chris Dawson's wife was murdered in 1982 and it was always a mystery. She basically disappeared off the face of the earth. He said he dropped her at a bus stop, never heard from her again. And a podcast came out in 2018 where they investigated it and realized, hey, this guy's actually murdered his wife and got away with it. And he was subsequently arrested and the verdict was dropped yesterday and he was found guilty. Okay. And this does slightly interest me because it was actually on the northern beaches of Sydney. So this guy, you know, in my backyard, chopping birds down like you would not believe, you know, we can't have that in my neighborhood whether it be the 80s or otherwise. But this guy, he's a former NRL player. So, you know, you could look at this. This is really just another rugby league scandal at its heart, okay? And this is a lesson to all the NRL players out there that, hey, boys, if you get up up to some... If you get up to some weird shit at Mad Monday this year in 2022, you know, you could be fucking answering for some of it in 2062, Okay. So keep your head above water and and your dick in your pants because podcasts have created an, a timeless environment where you can be <laughs> you could be prosecuted for crimes from half a half a freaking century ago, dude. Okay, so if you film some sex tape with Kalen Ponga in a cubicle because one of the boys has just bought a three bedroom apartment and you're helping him celebrate, just you you better delete that thing from the face of the earth because thirty five years from now. Uh, someone with a Zoom recorder and a great attitude might hold you accountable for your actions. So, you know, it's a wild time. It's hilarious to think that some podcasts solve crimes, literally solve murders and provide justice. And here I am with nothing but, you know, some pretty sensational bants. So stay in your lane. But it, it's, <laughs> I was thinking, fuck, how, what year? So it's been 40 years since he murdered her. And he was found guilty. What year do you think he finally went, oh, I reckon I've got away with this, you know? Surely at the 35-year mark, you'd be thinking, fuck me. All right, pour a margarita, the feet up, you know, three and a half decades ago. We're out of the woods here, lads, okay? Long gone. God, you'd, and then someone goes, <laughs> imagine that. And then you'd be thinking, fuck, I've... I've got away with it. You know, how to get away with murder. This guy did. At 35 years, you're thinking, fuck, it's over. I did it, you know? And then imagine one of your mates goes, fuck, uh, someone's done a podcast about you, Chris. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, what is it? Is it about my NRL career? Someone doing a, a deep dive on, uh, on my NRL career? Not exactly, mate. Not exactly. <laughs> You'd be shitting yourself. You'd be like, holy fucking shit. And then you'd be thinking, ah, podcasts don't matter, whatever, you know, because this guy had his chance. The, the really crazy thing about this guy is that he still lived on the Northern Beaches the whole 40 years. Mate, i tell you what I do. If, let's say I murder my wife, okay? I murder my wife in 1982. In 2018, a podcast comes out saying that Billy Darcy murdered his wife and here's why, Okay. As that podcast hits Spotify, I'm wheels up flying to fucking Ecuador, okay? The fact this guy stayed in Australia, how confident was he 
that he was going to get away with this. How confident can a man who actually murdered his wife be that he's going to get away with it when it's been investigated and he's the only suspect? I mean, you're a victim of your own fucking ignorance, you piece of shit. Okay? I can't believe he hung around. And... (laughs) But here's the thing. If you jet off, that's you admitting, yeah, I did it. But at the same time, you're not going to spend the next 35 years in the slammer jam, are you, mate? So you needed to make a decision. You made the wrong one. Rot in hell, you evil bastard. But it's interesting. It's kind of like Scooby too, you know, as he's like getting getting the handcuffs put on him. He's like, and I would have got away with it too if it weren't for you meddling teens. And then it just pans to like four four hipsters from Sydney Uni with like fringes and nose rings. <laughs> They're like, we got you, Mr. Dawson. Ah, <laughs> But I think it just goes to show as well, they've got to open up the applications for detectives in this country because, you know, it's clear that some of these podcasters are on the money, you know? Get them into get them into be detectives. What are your qualifications? Well, I've got a Zoom recorder and a healthy mistrust of older men. Fucking oath, babe, you're in. Let's go. You know? <laughs> it does make you think. I don't understand how they sort of like, all right, so I'm investigating this murder. I guess, I don't know how they do it. You, you look up public records and stuff. I'm not sure. But, you know, continue. I say continue. I would like podcasts to look into stuff. <laughs> look into stuff that's not even, like, that bad. You know, I'd like to podcasts to look into, like, did my, did my mate Jamo's girlfriend cheat on him in 2018? You know, we always thought she was a bit sus. You know, stuff like that. I'd love to see podcasts for stuff like that as well. Just get some clarity on a few situations because it just seems like we've got these ravenous audio-based detectives. We should be unleashing them on the world, you know? They can't be stopped, nor should they be, okay? Next time next time we send in the bloke dusting for fingerprints, let's send in a few media students from Sydney Uni with a fucking Zoom recorder and a Spotify contract. They'll have this thing done by next week. So, great to see that piece of shit locked up. And, uh, yeah, I wonder if he ever told anyone. I just would love to be there for that moment if he ever told anyone, dude, I fucking got away with it. Because he didn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> so funny, dude. But but anyway. Anyway, that is the only topic I'll be talking about this week because I don't know what happened at the start with all that stuff I was talking about the podcast, but it went it went too long. So I've got a couple of topics up my sleeve I'll save for next week. Now, the project this week, the project where we celebrate Aussie talent killing it here and abroad, this week is someone I personally have worked with a lot. I don't know him particularly well, but I do admire him. Comedian Sam Campbell. Now, Sam Campbell is like legitimately, I don't know if he's the best comedian in Australia, but he is without a doubt the funniest. Like, there is, there is no person in Australia funnier than Sam Campbell. Like, the guy is, he's just, he's, his brain is just different, okay? And the reason I'm talking about Sam Campbell this week is he just won Best Comedy Show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Now, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival is the biggest arts festival in the whole world. The city of Edinburgh, swe- like, swells to three times the population size during the festival, this is a massive deal that he won this. This is a fucking massive deal. Hannah Gatsby won this before she got her Netflix special. Okay, like this is a, 
We're going to be seeing a lot more Sam Campbell on the world stage as a result of this, and it's absolutely phenomenal, okay? And Sam Campbell, he's kind of like, he's kind of like a bit of a savant. Like, he doesn't really have any social media. Uh, He's got a great series on YouTube called Nippers on the Comedy Central YouTube page that's absolutely phenomenal, and a couple of stand-up sets on there. Phenomenal Melbourne Comedy Festival gala sets, but apart from that, he doesn't really have much of a social media presence. He's just phenomenal. You'll only see him at comedy festivals around Australia, and I highly recommend you go see him. You like, you can't even really describe his comedy shows. It's nothing like mine, where it's just a guy doing stand-up and crowd work for an hour. You know, as much as I enjoy my shows, like his, he'll come out with like a fucking tennis ball on his head on the end of one of those dog thrower things, and he'll be like an alien for ten minutes. Then he'll do stand-up for ten minutes. Just a really creative, wild guy. And uh, yeah, you got to go see him. He does this great joke. He goes, he goes, why do prawns have such poor posture? Like, because they're always slumped over, you know, like just shit like this where it's like, I could never think of that, you know, I don't want to do his material on the podcast because I simply won't be able to do it justice anyway, but he's fucking hilarious, dude. And this is a great win. This is great for Australian comedy, putting us on the map and uh, look out because I think he's got a... He's got a TV show coming out in England or something like that as a result of this, or he was working on it before. But yeah, Sam Campbell on the project this week. He will be touring in Australia next year at the comedy festivals, I would assume. Obviously, make sure you come out and see Billy Darcy. But I'm telling you, if there's one comedian at the comedy festivals, you've got to see it's this guy. He is unbelievable, dude. And that is the podcast for this week. Uh, thanks everyone who's listened to the first 200 episodes. Here's to 200 more, etc., etc. And like I said, I've got my Brisbane Encore show September 22, and I'm on the Homecoming Comedy Tour. It's all along the East Coast: Brisbane, Gold Coast, Port Macquarie, Newcastle, Wollongong, Sydney. All those shows are at the end of September. All the tickets are at the link in my Instagram bio. Come along. The Brisbane Encore in particular is filling up quickly. So come along. Hope to see you there. Thanks for listening, dude. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now. Way too gone, way too gone. Post-pod press conference. Yeah, look, obviously coming into this week's episode, I did stress to the lads that this was just another podcast. I know sometimes the landmark can get in the way of the performance itself. So we really had to remind ourselves that, hey, yeah, this is the 200th episode. A L- lot of extra attention, you know, a lot of extra pressure. People are excited. But at the end of the day, this is just another podcast. So let's stick to our processes and uh, let's get the job done. And that's what we were able to do today. I'm proud of the boys. You know, there's been a lot of extra media around the camp this week, but you know, I told the boys, don't worry about them, okay? Let's stay insulated, stick to our processes. And, I mean, the feeling in the camp all week has been excellent. You know, these boys, you know, I know a lot of coaches say it, but these boys, they do, they're good mates, you know, they're good mates, okay? So we have a laugh. We try not to take it too seriously, you know? Uh, I think someone quipped at, at a writing session on Tuesday that episode 200, more like, 200 reasons why Billy Darcy's a nerd, 
you know. So that's that's an example of some of the banter that we've been having around around the camp this week, and it has been good. Obviously, there has been a lot of scrutiny in the past couple of weeks that Billy has been just coasting off the America yarns and hasn't been putting as much effort into other sections of the podcast. I've been saying, I said it last week, I'll say it again this week, okay? That just isn't the case, okay? Maybe the America yarns are, you know, they're cranking so hard, they might be outshining the rest of the pod. But let me tell you that the effort is going into the topics each and every week, okay? It has been, and obviously coming off the guest series, straight into the America pods, into episode 200, it has been a crazy couple of months for the club. Um, I know a lot of people have been saying Billy Darcy is in fact washed, okay? 27, too old for a podcaster, you know, his best episodes are behind him. You know, a lot of people are saying prime Billy Darcy is episodes 130, 140, 150, you know, that sort of error. I think that couldn't be further from the truth. I think his best podcasts are in front of him. And I think while he might not be as reckless as years gone by, I think what you'll see is Billy evolve into a more mature podcaster, you know? But at the same time, I was down the pub with him on Sunday where he was harassing Dale Brathwaite unnecessarily, um, really carrying on like an absolute pelican. So the core of the podcast will always be there, you know? That's Billy acting recklessly in pubs. And, and sort of getting himself in situations that he can later present in a humorous manner, okay? That's the core of Get Around Me. That's the core of this club. And uh, that's something we will be continuing into the future. But, you know, full credit to the other podcast this week. We knew we'd have to be good. We knew people were looking at us, you know? We knew, you know, you hit that 200. Everyone says it's, you know, it's just another podcast. But, you know, look. At the same time, you know, it, it kind of isn't, you know, there's a, there's a lot of expectation there. So full credit to the other podcasts. They were good this week. We were better. Okay. You know, though, the other podcasts being so good, that's what motivates us to train. That's what motivates us to make brief notes that we riff on for 17 minutes. Okay. That's what motivates the boys. So thank you to the fans. Thank you to the club. And yeah, looking forward to... Finishing off the 2022 season strongly. We're in the top four still, looking to push home towards finals and and really smash that drunk Christmas episode at the end of the year. So, so yeah, everyone's in a good spot and, and we're looking forward to the future. Thank you.